Angel Heart Radio programs should not be used to replace your legal or medical advice. We're thrilled to have United Intentions Radio join us here on Angel Heart Radio to inspire you with your own intentions and how you live in the world. Powered by love, Angel Heart Radio is sponsored by angellight777.com. Welcome to the Good Intention Show, coming to you live on the UI Radio Network. The Good Intention Show is sponsored by the United Intentions Foundation at unitedintentions.org, a virtual community where you learn to create, track, and manifest your passions one intention at a time. Look for us on Blog Talk, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and many more. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram under United Intentions and on Twitter at Higher Intention. Yes, this is the Good Intention Show, where you will meet people who live life intentionally and hear about things they're not telling you in the mainstream media. And now, here's the truth seeker, the snake charmer, a legend in his own mind, broadcasting live all over the universe, your host, Mr. Tim Ray. Well, all right, Sandra, huh? It all happened with the Big Bang. That's how it all started. Do you know that? Uh, I know that as a theory. Yeah. <laughs> well, and now you know the theory of everything. And what a great show we have today. We have an author of a book called My Big Theory of Everything, or although he calls it My Big Toe, right? Isn't that pretty interesting? Toe is an acronym for, you know, theory of everything. Very cool. Right? I thought it was pretty creative, you know? Uh, so uh, cute. But anyway, it's, uh, it's a great book and a great uh, guest today, too. You're gonna, he's a coolest cat, actually, because I mean, how many nuclear physicists you know work for NASA government, right? Uh, and uh, has been on this evolutionary spiritual journey while sharing and caring along the way with others. I mean, not many people. I would say none, because <laughs> I don't think I've ever met anyone that's worked at NASA. It's like, you know, you, you got to like, no, it reminds me of like Einstein, when Einstein says, you know, you learn so much science and eventually you realize God does exist and is proven through science. And be curious to get uh, uh, our, uh, our guest uh, theory on that too here shortly. Um, actually, I saw him. He was, uh, he was, and I'll tell you his name. His name's Tom Campbell. Uh, uh, and he was at Unity North years ago, and there was, they, were, they were peddling a, a, book, a movie they made, a couple of movies, I think. And I, I was gonna think it was called Afterlife or something like that. And it was all about, it was cool. It was like, almost like a science approach or metaphysical science approach to death and what happens when you die or any near-death experiences, uh, you know, testimonies from people when they go towards the light or life reviews and things like that. So it was, I, I personally, I showed my kids this. I showed as many people I bought one of the movies because I think, you know, not many people talk about death. Yeah. You know, and nobody ever wants to think about it until the last minute. Right, 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 you know? right. And like Eckhart Tolle says, when you die before you die, that's how you really start living, you know. Exactly. You, you got to be not scared of death. You know, it's just another, another, n- yeah, another, <laughs> another movie theater to go into. So, if you want to call in today and get involved in a really, really cool conversation with a really, really cool doctor, um, you can go to uh, call six four six 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 eight eight two four six six four six 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 eight eight two four six dial one to raise your hand. Um, now, a few things I want to mention before we get into introducing uh, formally our special guest today is, wow, what a weekend we had with the Vax team. I'm telling you, I'm good luck, man. You are. You really are. <laughs> Didn't you love meeting Del Bigtree? And- I, I loved that entire crew. There wasn't anyone on that crew that I would not love to hang out with. Uh, seriously. I mean, yeah. and, and amazing. And, and, you know, and this is a group that, I mean, you had uh, Jennifer, uh, Michelle Ford, who was just this one little voice out there in California trying to organize, get somebody involved, learn about how the MMR vaccination is killing, is 
maiming and, and brain damaging little children and how you know we have a whistleblower dr thompson come out and everything and no one's listening she contacted all the black caucuses out there uh in in, in california nobody was saying anything until she went to the nation of islam and then farrakhan stood up and said hey I'm getting involved in this. And now you got a momentum going and getting the word out here and seeing the corruption level of the CDC and the FDA, what's going on that. So it's just amazing. And the Vax team, what brave souls. I mean, I was take- just thinking that like that, that is a big who, step. Who takes on big pharma and, and lives to tell the story? Um, <laughs> not many not people many. these days. Yeah. 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 You, know? you know, I used to work for big pharma. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. right? I know. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, so that was just a fantastic weekend. We have so much coming on. In fact, we have uh, Minister Tony Mohammed, Shilly Easley, who was one of the ladies in the Vax movie, who had a uh, vaccine-damaged uh, son. Uh, mm-hmm. She's going to be calling in on the show from California. And also, live in the studio, we have a co-producer of the movie Vax, Kelly Gallagher. She's coming in here and with, with Minister uh, Tony, uh, Tony Mohammed and getting into what's going on with the MMR Vax and where they are and kind of update from our last show we had on it just to get the message out of people need to wake up that we may be being fooled here. Uh, the truth may not be as what you think it is. And so, so she's coming back. Yeah, she sure oh, is. I, can't I know. Wait to hang out with her. I know, right? Right. So that we have coming up. Uh, two other things I want to mention is November 9th, our summit, Fight for Your Health Summit, that the United Intentions Foundation is sponsoring here in Atlanta. And the more details will be coming out on that. And Jennifer uh, has a lot of that, so she'd love to share that. And it's going to be fantastic. It's basically focused on holistic solutions. Uh, from the bombardment, from the skies, the land, and the sea. It's like, you know, we're being attacked from the sky, the land, and the sea. You know, GMOs, chemtrails, <laughs> fluoride, vaccines. What can you do? It's all about what can you do to really um, send yourself. And a lot of it has to do with your emotional, mental state, too. Yeah. And uh, this is really, I want to get into some conversations with uh, how uh, our, our, our guest today prepares for that, too, uh, mentally and, and meditation-wise. Because this guy... I mean, you know what I'm talking about. He's he's out there. He goes out of body experiences. We're getting really into that too today. Oh, he's up there with Yogananda. Oh, he's gonna blow your mind. Plus, he's all science behind it. It's like my perfect cat, man. He's all about you. Yeah, exactly. I'm the woo-woo girl. Yeah, yeah. True, yeah. true woo-woo girl, yeah. and you're the science. I'm the, guy. I'm the science guy, right? Yeah. Um, and okay, last thing I want to mention too is Teal Swan. A lot of folks may not know Teal Swan. She's a newcomer to the scene. Brilliant woman. I, uh, I don't really say psychic because she doesn't, I think she, she calls herself a sensitive uh, and she uh, is able to see light. She sees energies and she has such wisdom. You can catch her on Teal Swan and go on YouTube and get prepared for that. But she's, she's going to show live October 28th. And we're really excited about getting some real work, internal work. She's the type of person who believes in facing your shadow, doing your shadow work, facing that dark side, not be one of those um, uh, denial based positive thinkers. She really says, hey, you know what? you got work to do. Whatever is happening outside of yourself or within yourself, you got to address it. you got to look at it. You can't deny it. And then you grow from there. You don't stay there. You move and grow on. So I'm really looking forward to that. And the last thing I'm going to mention, I say one more thing, sorry, is we got a new cruise director on our site. Her name's Sandra Hunt. Oh, wow. Hey, yay. Little round of applause for Sandra Hunt. <laughs> um, and uh, you are doing wonderful. And you're, what we're doing is getting engagement on the site and trying to get um, uh, her, uh, getting the people started on learning how to create their intentions, using their thoughts. Um, knowing the language, knowing the language, yeah. and going dealing with subconscious obstacles, what you're believing, and also she's starting her own new radio show here on the United Intentions Network. It's called the Manifestation Show or Manifesting Show. The, no, the manifest, the Manifestation Show. Manif- I always decide on yeah, Manifestation yeah. Show. The Manifestation Show. Come on, is that cool? Where you can have live manifestations happening right there. 
we're going to be talking about it in present tense as if it's already happening. And you're going to be creating intentions on the site. And then we're going to have special guests come on and walk them through their manifestation as if it's happening for, for an hour period of time. So what a great idea and what a great hit. And you're going to be a perfect uh, host for that show. Well, thank you. And our first guest is going to be the one and only. Uh, yeah, Tim Ray. Talking about United <laughs> Intentions. There we go. Talk, and talk about United Intentions. I'll tell you who totally has that uh, down and understands the processes. Our guest today, Tom Campbell. He's a nuclear physicist, began researching altered states of consciousness with Bob Monroe, Journeys Out of the Body. Um, and Bob Monroe started the Monroe Institute. In fact, he was uh, one of the original guys who started out with him, or at least came on early there. Uh, Far Journeys and the Ultimate Journey at Monroe Laboratories in the early 1970s. And it's tough because this man's only like 30 years old. I mean, I don't know how that works, but... You know, he's, he's managed to stay that young for that long. Uh, and, and a few others with instrument, instrumental in getting Monroe's Laboratory for the Study of Conscious up and running. Uh, these early drug-free consciousness pioneers, drug-free conscious pioneers, big farmers doesn't like that, helped design experiments, develop, and I guess you're referring to not like Tim Leary type of guys back then. Yeah. You know, you know. Help design experiments, develop technology for creating specific altered states and remain subjects of study guinea pigs at all, all, all at the same time. Tom is the PC physicist described in Bob Monroe's second book, Far Journeys. Campbell has been a serious explorer of frontiers of reality mind, consciousness and psychic phenomenon for the last 40 years. This is not incredible. We have this guy for an hour today. I, there's so much we got to talk about. So much. I might monopolize the conversation. Uh, I, I, will, I, will, I will shut you down. Don't worry. <laughs> Using his, I, have the, I have the control over here. Using his acquired mastery of out-of-body experience as a research tool, Campbell focused his work toward discovering the outer boundaries and inner works and the casual dynamic of larger reality system. The result of this research uh, unites the world of, of objective and subjective experience under one scientific explanation, thus achieving the goal of generating one unified, comprehensive theory of everything. Ta-da, the big toe. That bridges metaphysics and physics with one scientific understanding, Another, and the author of my big toe. So, um, without without fur, without further ado, without further ado, let me welcome our and w- let's give a warm I should say let's give a warm welcome, a nuclear warm welcome for the first time at Good Attention So, and hopefully many many more times, Tom Campbell. Tom, how are you? Well, how are you doing? You. Thank you, Tim. That was quite an introduction. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, little did you know. Here. Well, great, great to have you here. Little did you know you had some big fans here from Georgia watching you. I'm sure you do know you have a lot of them, but we are a big one, and uh, I, me, spe- me specifically, I really, really dig what you're doing, and uh, I had so much to know, and you have such a, and uh, such a great, uh, a great presence about you, and your knowledge is just uh, unprecedented. And, and just by the way, I want people to know if uh, he's also um, Tom Campbell is having a LA workshop coming up on this month on the 29th and the 30th. And if you want to uh, have a chance to go to the workshop, we'll mention it later on too. You go to uh, mbtla.com. That's uh, M is Mary, B is in boy, T is in Tom, LA dot uh, com, and you could actually get to his workshop out there. So. Bye, Tom, where do we start? How about this? How about we start the Monroe Institute? Because I just find that so fascinating. A lot of folks that I talk to in my circles, they know about it, but a lot of folks do not. Is there any way you can maybe do it for a beginner listening in the first time, maybe explain, not a long explanation, but explain the, the Monroe Institute and what kind of pulled you in that direction back then? And I know it wasn't Timothy Leary's LSD drug, so it was uh, something else, right? I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, I was, uh, you know, I was a brash young physicist in my uh, late 20s, and um, 
I took meditation from Transcendental Meditation, folks, and learned that my mind was a whole lot more than I thought it was. And uh, I surprised myself that uh, very quickly after meditating, maybe a few months in, I was able to decode computer code um, in my mind much faster than I could if I was actually sitting in front of the, you know, the the cards. And in those days, it wasn't a computer. You know, we didn't have personal computers. We had boxes of punch cards. And rather right. than sit in front of 4,000 punch cards and try to figure out which ones were wrong and where the errors were, I could bring it all up in my mind, and the the ones that were wrong would stand out as uh, red against the rest that were regular black type. And I just learned, you know, I knew my code because I wrote it, so I know where those were. I could pick them out, and sure enough, those were the ones that had problems. So that just surprised me to no end because as a physicist, you know, I kind of had the same idea that most scientists have, and that is if you can't measure it, it doesn't exist and it isn't important. So right. I realized that that was wrong and that there was a lot <laughs> bigger, to, you know, there's a lot more to reality than what I had thought. And uh, after I got out of graduate school, um, my boss gave me a book called Journeys Out of the Body. And he said, read this, Tom, and tell me what you think. Well, you know, when your boss tells you that, particularly when you're new, you know, you're not quite sure what the right answer is. So I read it, <laughs> and um, I told him, I said, well, you know, there's no way to know whether this guy's making it up, or whether he's a hustler, uh, trying to sell books or what, but it sure would be interesting to know whether it's real or not. As it turned out, Bob Monroe was only about 45 minutes away from, you know, where I lived and worked. So <laughs> a bunch of us from the office went out to see, you know, the wizard and see if he was for real. And we not only found out he was for real, but he had just finished building a lab and wanted to study consciousness because this out-of-body thing just happened to him. He couldn't not do it. It, uh, it scared him to death. You know, he went to a, a psychiatrist and said, am I going nuts? Eventually he just accepted it and began to play with it and realized that it was something very real. He could gather information in that state and check it out, and sure enough, you know, he'd been there. So um, that was, I guess we now call that remote viewing, but you also can do that from out of body. So I volunteered to be a scientist at his lab, and uh, the condition was I'd uh, do the experiments and the protocols and uh, make sure all the science was straight, and he would teach myself and Dennis, another, another person who worked where I did, uh, he would teach us what he knew about going out of body because if you don't experience it, you know, if it's not your experience, then it's not your truth. So we realized we had to try at least to do those same things. Well, Bob was a good teacher, and after you know six months or a year or so, Dennis and I were able to go out of body when we wanted to and um, started to explore. And that began what uh, Monroe Institute called the Explorer Program, which was um, uh, several people. It wasn't just Dennis and I, but other people came in time, and uh, all of us were out exploring this larger consciousness system. Well, I'm a scientist. I'm a physicist, and what I do is try to figure out how reality works. That's what scientists do. That's what physicists do, anyway. So I kept probing at it and pushing at it, and how far does this thing go, and how wide is it, and what, what can it do, what can it do, and why? Why is it like that? Why is it even there? You know, what do we here in this reality have to do with, you know, the larger consciousness system? What's the connection? So I worked on that from both sides. Uh, mainly, though, from the out-of-body side, from the non-physical side, because I could test it. As I came up with theories, I could actually test it inside of the 
larger consciousness system to see just what was going on, was it repeatable, uh, you know, what were the what were the uh, variables, that kind of thing. And some 35 to 40 years later, I figure <laughs> I understood it. You know, I guess I'm kind of a slow learner, but it took me a long time to puzzle it out. And then in 2002, I wrote these books, uh, My Big Toe. It's a it's a series of three books, a trilogy, and that um, was supposed to be my theory, really, of the larger conscious system. It's a theory of consciousness. But about a year or two after they were published, I had an aha moment where I realized that the exact same principles, the exact same ideas and concepts that I had to that I the way I described consciousness also derived physics that I could take these same ideas and explain why uh, you know particles should be probability distributions, which is a big mystery in quantum mechanics. Why yeah. C is a constant, which is a big mystery in relativity theory. You know why all these all these things that are kind of uh, paradoxes in physics suddenly became perfectly clear. So then I realized that if you understand consciousness, you can derive physics from it. Not only that, I found out that if you understand consciousness you can derive an awful lot of theology from it. You can uh, see uh, in the world's religions what really is, is there that makes sense, what's kind of core understanding, and what's nonsense, you know, what's dogma, and what's uh, just stuff that's been added over the, you know, the thousands of years uh, since the original uh, uh, creators had, the, had their big ideas. So the whole world kind of kind of fell open to a very uh, scientific explanation. So now I could scientifically explain, you know, what is out of body and what is remote viewing and how do they work? How come uh, people's intents, back to uh, you know uh, United Intentions Foundation, uh, how do people's intents modify reality? What's the placebo effect? How does that work? When you uh, your doctor tells you that you're gonna you're gonna get well from these new magic pills, and you really do, you know that's called the placebo effect, and we know that uh, that works, and we know a lot of other intention modifies future probability works, but nobody actually knows why. Well, you know I could see why it happens. It's just you know that's physics now. That's right. understandable. Let me, it's, it's let, me let me ask a question about let me ask a question about consciousness too, since. Uh, that's a big piece of it. And we had Dr. Bruce Lipton on a little while ago, and he mentioned a great little analogy that mm-hmm. imagine your body is a television set and uh, consciousness is your, the broadcast. And uh, so your broadcast, your television set is picking up on this broadcast, right? The consciousness. But the broad, and now say the television set breaks down and dies. It's like a human dies. Does the broadcast mm-hmm. go away? No. The broadcast is still there, just waiting for another uh, frequency uh, and antenna to pop up with that same frequency to actually take in the broadcast. That will probably when you so when you're referring to consciousness, you're referring more so to that broadcast, correct? Yes, absolutely. And I'd give it a little different uh, uh, metaphor. That was a good one that Bruce gave. Uh, right. Bruce is a great fella, by the way. Spent some yeah. time. We did a we did an interview together uh, some years back. But anyway, think of uh, think of playing a uh, virtual reality game. So here you're playing virtual reality game, and your character is an elf, and your elf is uh, is um, 
you know, doing all sorts of things, uh, mostly fighting monsters and that sort of thing, what you do in those <laughs> kinds of games, and your elf gets killed. Well, right. the elf is like your body. You, the player, are like the elf's consciousness. And when the elf gets killed, well, you sitting there with your, with your hand on the, on the mouse and the, and the joystick, you know, it doesn't exactly kill you. You just go on and you get another elf is what you do, you know, you, uh, or resurrect that one. You go on. So, yes, it's the same idea. Um, you know, there really is no such thing as, as, um, as death outside of this virtual reality that we call our physical universe. So in that little picture, yes, avatars die, but in the big picture, the player just keeps on playing. So it's like that. death is, yeah. um, is local. It's like that quote from Jim Carrey in his speech when he says, we're not the avatars that we create. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That? Right. Um, you know, and what, let yeah, me ask a question about the wave formation. And when you observe it, you 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 bring that wave formation, whatever area, that probability to a particle to matter. Is the consciousness outside of this probability, or is the consciousness is the probability wave? The consciousness is the consciousness is the whole system. There really is no wave. This idea okay. of the probability wave is a metaphor not a fact. It's not an actual thing. It's just the way people describe it. You have a virtual reality. This this world that we live in, you know, the Buddha said it about 2,500 years ago, you know, uh, this physical world is an illusion. And that is, that is accurate. It is. So when the physicists talk about a, a probability wave uh, representing a particle, and then when you make a measurement that probability wave collapses into a physical particle. That's really just a metaphor. None of that's going on. This is a virtual reality. There is no such thing really as a physical particle. It's a virtual particle. It's a virtual apparatus. It's a virtual, uh, you know, um, electron gun or whatever is making the particles. You know, it's a virtual building that you're in, and all the characters and all the players and all the physicists in their white lab coats are all virtual characters. They're all avatars. So you have to realize that that consciousness is the only thing that's fundamental. Everything else is virtual. An illusion. So let's let's take the out of body experience along with your metaphor, and let's let's use that for for our listeners to kind of get a better comprehension of, and, and maybe use one of your if you have reoccurring out of body experiences, or maybe one of your fascinating out of body experiences that you've had over the years or or continue to have. And use the avatar as what would the experience look like as you're describing an out-of-body experience. Okay. Now, when you play World of Warcraft, you're getting, you're getting a data stream from a computer. There's some server someplace that's creating that World of Warcraft game. And what it's doing is it's sending your computer a stream of data. Now, you're the consciousness, and you're the player, Okay, sitting at your computer, and you're getting a stream of data from a server that is creating that virtual reality game. You look at the screen, interpret that data to be this World of Warcraft world, and you want your player to jump or do something. So you send that, you know, you do that by moving your mouse, say, a little to the right, and that means your player looks right. So you send that information to the computer. The computer makes that player look right, and when he looks right, of course, he sees different things. He may run into something, or he may see something that he, that he needs when he looks right. So it, it also computes the consequences of that act, and then it sends that back to you as data, and you look right. at 
you know, what the, what the elf sees. So it's just this data exchange. This reality we're in is just a data exchange with a, with a server, if you will. Going out of body is just connecting to a different data stream. You see, there really is no body. And it's not like your consciousness lives inside your body. It doesn't any more than you don't live inside your elf when you're playing World of Warcraft. You're just the elf's consciousness. So when you go out of body, you are just letting go of the data stream that's playing World of Warcraft, and you're going over to the data stream that's, say, playing The Sims. Now you're out of body from World of Warcraft, and you're, you know, now you're in a body over at Sims. Now you're, a, you know, whatever. You're a, you're a guy there with a you know, short haircut and you know, works as a policeman in The Sims. Right. Okay, you know, right. that's out of body as far as being in the world of Warcraft. You've just gone to a different data stream. Well, there's lots of different data streams out there. This, this virtual reality of ours, this physical reality, is just one spot in a much, much bigger information system that has lots of different games going on, lots of different uh, data streams. And with your intent, you can connect to one of these other data streams. And it starts out when you're first learning this, that trying to let go of this data stream is kind of a hard thing to do. You know, it's a thing that takes some practice and meditation and that sort of thing. Uh, eventually, it's not a hard thing to do. You can do it in an instant. You can do it in less than a second. You can switch data streams. And eventually, after you've done that for some years, you, you really don't live in any particular virtual reality at all anymore. You live in a lot of them. You kind of live in a bigger space so that you're kind of plugged into a larger reality than just this physical reality, and your life is just like that. So I guess that makes you a little strange because you're not just here. You're here in other places as well, and that's a bigger picture. You see things now from a, from a bigger perspective, and when you do, most everything gets a lot simpler and a lot, a lot easier. So, no, so that, that, what's the experience like? It's just like, you know, it depends on where you're going and what you're going to see. And, and an awful lot of it has to do with your intent. So if your intention, let's say, let's say you're fearful. If you're a very fearful person and you leave this reality, you're going to run into things that are scary because you've got fear. That, your intent now is about negative things. So you'll run into negative things. If you have you know, you have to explore to know where to go and what in, what intents will get you where. And that's just a matter of exploration and taking the time to, you know, flush out a map. So, Tom, give us an example of, uh, of an out-of-body experience that you've had either recently or one that you'd like to share or talk about. And just kind of walk us through, like, how you prepare yourself for it now since you're, you're uh, I guess, an expert at it. And, and then tell us how your experience is, and then we'll talk about how maybe a beginner can get introduced to it. Okay. Give some details. Well, Give some right, details. Right where you now, go, what do you do, who do you see? Yeah. Well, it's all. Were, it's were, all were you dressed? Were you naked? <laughs> what was going on at the time? <laughs> it depends on what you want to do. So we have to take a specific case. It's not like, uh, you know, the out of body thing has to do with your intent and your focus. So if let's say somebody walks up to me and uh, and they. Uh, you know, maybe they introduce themselves and say that uh, they're very concerned because their Aunt Sally uh, just got diagnosed with some terrible thing, and, you know, they're telling me about that and so on and about Aunt Sally. And as they're talking to me and I'm talking to them, 
there's, a, there's part of me that's not engaged in the conversation. I, I split that down to probably just whatever I need to carry on the conversation and listen to it, and that's maybe 20% of my focus. With the other, you know, with another, you know, 50 or 60%, I go and take a look at her aunt, you know, his aunt Sally, and I see what's going on with Aunt Sally. I get a picture of her history. I look at her health. I can see a graph that says, uh, you know, uh, how good the health is as a function of time, what's likely to happen to her over the next year or the two years or three years. Is she going to get better? Is she going to get worse? And the origins of the problem. And so I can get all that data and get a sense of, of uh, Aunt Susie and what she's about, and her personality and her character. So I can get all that at the same time this person is talking to me because that's available in, in this out-of-body state. That's available in the non-physical. That's part of consciousness. The consciousness system keeps track of information. There's a future probability a database, and there's a past database, and you can get around in these databases and collect all sorts of information. So in that case, I'm just... Uh, you know, I'm not actually going someplace and looking around as it is, and I'm just collecting data because that's what's pertinent to this particular thing. Um, sometimes I can tell you in a, in a time, uh, oh, this was decades ago, when I was trying to figure out whether these databases were actually real places, you know, ongoing places, or whether they were something else. And I had to go to, I went to the past. So I looked at I went, looked at the past, and I was playing with these past databases. And you can go back and relive and re-experience something that you did 100 years ago or you know, 500 years ago or whatever, you know, in, in past lives, in this life. Uh, then you can do what-if analysis. Well, what if I, you know, had done this differently? How would my life have worked out after that? And you can run these what-if scenarios. And I realized that this wasn't really a live production with characters that had free will this was a database and it just had information and it had probability that's how that's how you could query it that way so it's not well, who, who that video games? database is live it's just that it's it's there but you can get into it and experience it like you're an actor in the movie like you're part of it it seems live but it really right. isn't it's a database so, so Tom, who needs video games when you – and what you're saying is when you get yourself in a state where you have an out-of-body experience, you could actually travel not only outside of your body in other areas in the present moment, present time, but also you could travel in the past, relive experiences in the past, this life or past life, also, or you could travel in the future, and even into a, probably a, a future self too, right? So yeah, that's, that's, a, fa- that's, that's a future probability now. It's not the future yeah. like the future's a done deal. There, you know, we right. do have free will, and this future hasn't happened yet, so it can all change. But there is a database that has what's probable, and the further out you get, then the rattier those predictions are. Um, right. But you know, so you have to understand that. But but you can travel. You can query that database. So you want to look at what's the most probable happenings. You know, given these conditions, what's the most probable happening? Let's say the answer is his health. You know, is she going to get better or is she going to get worse? So that's getting data out of the future probable database. Yes, but that's not necessarily exactly what's going to happen. That's just what's likely right. to happen at this right. at this point in time, the way we're looking that's at it. That's how so psychics work. Now. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Like, oh, me, so, like, you, you know, I live in the kind of more uh, woo-woo world or what we're now calling the true-true world. 
where I think Tim's more scientific and, you know, I've worked with theta healers and, and mediums and that, and it sounds like to me, this is more the scientific explanation for what they can do, or yeah. what they're, they're, what they're doing, what we're all sure. capable of doing. They just somehow yes. were born with some kind of access to it without really realizing that's what Their it was. Their antenna was bigger. Yeah, yes, maybe that's, exactly. that's, that's they were exactly born right. in a more clear field or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, they just clear. practice at it. Sometimes right, they, exactly. they come in and they just, you're right, they're just a little, you know, initially they're just better at it yeah. and get there quicker than other people. But other times right. they just practice and practice and they know what works and what doesn't. And eventually, if anything, that you practice that long enough, you get good at so hey, Tom, they get, Tom, when they we get, get back from break, accessing databases. Yeah, Tom. When we get back from break, let's let's talk about um, perhaps a, a quick scenario or a quick explanation to help somebody who's never done an out of body experience, how they could perhaps start doing it as some of the, maybe the one two three steps on it. And and uh, my God, you know why why sit in front and watch television anymore? Why play video games? Why just just lay in bed all day long? Now, see, I can lay in bed now all day long and I have a purpose rather than just being lazy. You see, I like this idea. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with Tom Campbell. Tom Campbell, hold on. <laughs> it's great, is it? Mark your calendars. November 9th, 2016. Don't miss the Fight for Your Health Summit at the Quality Inn in Buckhead Village. Featuring an expert panel on empowering and enlightening topics in two sessions. The morning session, 9.30 to 11.30. Featuring Dr. Judy Mikovits, author, scientist, health advocate. Timothy Ray, founder of the United Intentions Foundation. Jennifer Garnett, holistic doctor. The afternoon session, 1.30 to 3.30, features Dr. Miriam Croft, chiropractor. Loli Heinberg. Speaker, writer, nutritionist, and Timothy Ray, founder of UIF. Get your tickets now at eventbrite.com. Fight for your health summit. Sponsored by United Intentions Foundation and Hands On Wellness. Hope to see you there. All right, we are back with Tom Campbell, a nuclear physicist, gone out of body experience. And I'll tell you what, that is fascinating. I am just. Well, I'm re-motivated. I had a, I had a, a body, out-of-body experience years ago when I was in college and kind of freaked me out a little bit, and um, and I never had it again. You know, I think I just, just shocked. Really? Yeah, I was in college, and I was practicing because I was reading up on it, right? And and I was I was elevated out of my body, and I started looking up above the dorms and the, what's above there. I was looking in there, and then all of a sudden I felt this, like, uh, this fear, this satanic fear feeling, and then, boom, I snapped myself right back into it. And uh, and I never explored it then. I must have really like just shocked myself, or didn't realize. You know, maybe I'll get past that. There's I don't know. Block. Yeah, there's a block. But we'll talk to the doctor Campbell about it. now. Doc, there's, uh, uh, Tom, there's a, there's also a way to to reach you too is mbmbtevents um, dot com, right? And also mbtmbtoe dot com. Right, mbtevents dot com. www.mbtevents dot com is uh, the website of the people who uh, uh, do all of my scheduling and talks and places to go and that sort of thing. So if you really wanted to find out about MBTLA, you could go there, and they would have uh, things on that uh, there. And then uh, mybigtoe.com is my own website, and that will take you – you'll find the link there to go to YouTube where I have lots and lots of videos. So every time I – do anything, workshop, uh, interviews, lots and lots of things that I do. They end up on YouTube. 
So uh, everything is free and everything's everything's available. Indeed, this program is likely to end up on YouTube as well. There you go, and it's gonna, it's going to be a live one. We're just getting started too. So so uh, Tom, yeah. t- give us a little uh, one two three if somebody wants to go home tonight and then try an out-of-body experience. And you, it doesn't have to be at nighttime. It's it, it could be any time, right? Okay. Right. Well, you can do this anytime. Right. And uh, eventually you can do it even when you're having a conversation with other people or walking around or whatever. You don't really have well, to I be in bed. That with it. <laughs> but to, 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 uh, to start with, though, you know, the thing is we make it hard. It's really not such a hard thing to do, but we make it very difficult because we don't know what to expect. We don't know what it's going to be like. And without that idea what happens is we we start to uh, kind of get fuzzy, you know, and you you lose uh, you start to lose your your normal conscious. You get into a, what's called a hypnagogic state. Um, most people get into that just before they fall asleep, or maybe you see images or other things. And what happens is that then people get their intellect gets back into it. They go, oh, "What was that? Oh, am I out of body now? Oh no, I don't think so." And they start questioning, and the, they. They get out of that being level, just existing space, and get into, uh, am I doing it right? What should I do next? Is this it? Uh, oh, I'm not doing it right. I'm just lying here. And that is what keeps them from actually doing it. It's all that jabber of that intellect trying to control the process. You see, you have to let the process just happen. You don't, uh, you know, if you try to control it with your intellect, that just gets in the way. And, you know, all the people that uh, uh, that Sandra was talking about, the mediums, you know, the people who heal and so on, they know how to slip into that space. And they know how to uh, let go of this reality frame with their intellect, let the intellect kind of sit down and be quiet while they pursue that inner space more from the being level. And actually we find that ladies are a little uh, more attached to their being level than guys are. Guys are a little more attached to their intellects uh, when it comes to this sort of thing. So that's why yeah. you probably find five female mediums for every male medium because it's gotcha. uh, just a little more natural for them to, to, uh, to do that. But, yes, it, it's a matter of letting go, having no expectations, and when you let go of this, Reality frame basically means you just let all the sense data go to where you're no longer operating on it. Then you're not here anymore. At that point, you're just consciousness floating in the void. So that's step number one is to, whether it's through meditation or just sitting quietly or just letting your mind kind of go blank, however you want to approach it, that's kind of up to you. But the first step is to learn how to get to a point where you are nothing but a point of consciousness floating in a black void. What that means is you've let go of your sense data. You no longer hear, see, feel anything. And if you do, let's say uh, you're doing this in your house and then outside on the street somebody honks a horn, you may hear that. But that's okay. That won't disturb you as long as you don't operate on it. As long as you don't get your intellect going, who's that? You know, well, somebody's beeping the horn. You know, what what a nuisance. Right now while I'm trying to meditate, you see, now you basically leave that being level state and get back into a, an, an intellectual state. But if you can just let that horn be and don't operate on it, so it's there but you're not attached to it in any way, then that'll work fine. So 
you just let this this reality go. And when you're just floating there in the void, it's a very blissful, very uh, relaxing kind of state. And when people first do that, they really don't want to do much of anything else for a while because it just feels really good to be in that total state of relaxation and being where you feel just, you know, completely isn't that, at ease. Isn't that meditation? Isn't that meditation when you lose, you lose your mind, you, you leave your mind? And what's this, the distinction between in the meditative state versus out-of-body experience? Transcending. It would be better to call it an out-of-mind state, really, than an out-of-body state. But uh, that has right. other connotations, so we, won't, we don't do that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> what it is you, is you're you, letting you it you go. Get a, you get a straitjacket put on when that happens. <laughs> yeah, right. But you just let go of the sense data here. And when you do that, you're not here anymore. So that's why you're floating in the void. Now all you have to do is have an intent, not from the intellect, but from the being level. And you have this intent, and when you do that, then that starts to program you to do other things. So if what your intention is is to go visit Aunt Susie, who's ill, then there you are. You're, at Aunt, you're right there wherever Aunt Susie is. And um, you can see what she's doing or where she's going. You can call that remote viewing, but remote viewing and lucid dreaming, they're all first cousins of out of body. They just, they differ mostly by the, by the process in which you get there and by the limitations that you put on it through your own beliefs. But basically you are no longer in your body. You've never really been in your body anyway, right? It's not that conscious doesn't live in your body. So, um, but you're, you're out of your body when you are no longer operating on sense data. That is so fascinating, and it seems so simple. The way, the way you explain it, and I guess the more I believe what you're saying, how easy it is, the more likely I'll have that experience because it's all the placebo effect or, or the nocebo effect or whatever you want to call it. It's intention. But, uh, but what's, what's one of the biggest obstacles, I guess, why people are – I guess people are experiencing in dream state, but a lot of times they're not experiencing in wake state because of their ego gets in the way? What's the big obstacles here? The big, the big, there are several big obstacles. One of them is fear. Fear is the biggest obstacle. Uh, fear of the unknown. When you were, uh, you know, up above the campus there, and you're out of body, and suddenly you realize, here I am at, uh, you know, three thousand feet, and oh my God, you know, what am I doing up here? <laughs> what the hell am I doing up here? You know, am I dead? Well, I'd be dead if I don't get back. Well, I fall, you know, and you have all this stuff that rushes in your mind. It's all that fear is the problem and there's many people who will finally get out of body just to run into some terrible thing a monster or this or that or something evil and all that is just it's their own fear they are materializing when you're in that out of body realm what you think what your mind does has a lot of force Talk about manifesting things. You know, you can manifest on a dime there. If you're thinking mm. fearful things, you'll find fearful things. So it's a very, uh, um, you know, it's not as, it's not as uh, tight a space as it is yeah. in the physical reality. Here, manifestation really- takes a lot longer time. There, it's pretty instantaneous. So if you're right. a fearful person, you'll find fearful things. Right. If you're so you not a really fearful to- person, you won't. But you really, you're saying, you really have to, you really have to mentally prepare yourself before you have an out of body experience to be in that state of love or that state of higher frequency or, or the state of that love vibration. Because if you go in just 
Like something, it's hard enough to hold our thoughts here in our present moment, uh, Tom. <laughs> Can you imagine now in a dream yeah. state where you're manifesting hand over foot right. immediately? So, I mean, I, I, I say, I would say there's probably some prep work. I mean, you, you teach people how to do prep work for that? It does take a lot. It has a lot of conditioning. What you have to do is get rid of the fear. And when you get rid of fear, you also get rid of a lot of ego, and you have to get rid of beliefs. So you just have to be open, empty, and open, you know, accessible without trying what? to read anything into it or put anything into it. It's just right. be. That's the thing you have to do is just be without fear, so without the intellect. Right. Go ahead, Sandra. So what about the people? I'm sorry. What about the people who are the complete opposite? That they're open, they want to have this experience, but they can't get there. Because I, I well, know a lot of people. They're so curious about this type of experience. Fear has to be there, then. Then it, unconscious that's it, fear. The, the fear, I guess, well, of what doing it wrong. I yeah, don't. Yeah. Or, or, no, well, what? It, no, the problem that they have. It, well, it could be fear. Fear of the unknown. That's always a big one. You know, it's someplace very scary because you've never been there before. But mainly, what they what they do is that they have a problem with expectation. They have read books, they've heard they've heard stories, they've read books, and they have expectations of sort of what they think it's going to be like or what other people's experiences have been. So that's what they're expecting, okay? They're, they're expecting to repeat those kinds of stories, but you have to, you know, it's all, it's personal. It's what's in your mind and your intent. So if you are, let's say the first thing you do when you let go is you see, um, you know, a yellow daisy, you know, uh, growing up out of the ground, it's about six feet tall, and there's a, a four-foot-tall rabbit standing next to it, you know. And when you look at it, the rabbit winks at you. Now, most people, when they see that, would say, what a bunch of nonsense. You know, I'm imagining that, something out of, uh, you know, a Looney Tunes movie or something. Well, that's <laughs> the wrong thing to do. What you do is you engage it. You go say, well, what's that about? And you wink back, you see. And then maybe you go over, and what you can find if you engage in these things, that one thing will lead you to another thing to another thing. But we tend to blow it all off as our imagination, or let's say we're, we're trying to uh, communicate with someone and we hear a voice, we, hear, we get information. The first thing we do is say, what was that? Was that my imagination? Did I, you know, did I just make that up, or did I hear something? Well, now you've completely gone out of the state, so you see you've, you've lost it. So people have expectations, and they want to know immediately whether or not they're doing it right, whether they're meeting the expectation or whether they're making it up in their mind. And that's the problem. So people who are open and want to have the experience, that what they're doing wrong is they're not just having the experience, whatever it is, and don't have any thing in your mind that you expect to happen just be and see what does happen and if something silly happens well interact with it be part of it go with it become one with the rabbit and the flower you see move into it don't uh don't judge it and then cast it aside because it wasn't like what you read about that's That's the problem that most people have Right. No, and that makes complete sense. And it's fascinating because it's such a simple thing to do. It doesn't cost you any money. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to go to a guru to figure it out. I mean, you can just do it yourself. And we're always looking for answers outside of ourselves. But one thing you mentioned was with the limiting of the beliefs, right? And that could be a big obstacle for holding people back. And 
like, I want to get your thoughts on this, okay? A lot of humanity have the uh, believe that their purpose here or, or their experience here is to learn how to ascend into a spiritual self or find out how they're ascending into this spiritual higher frequency thinking um, versus uh, more of a, a of a some and minority believe more so is uh, is that perhaps we're here to descend into the physical body to our creating an environment in a heaven on earth where our spiritual self will descend into this body and and be able to be in that frequency of love um, where people would more and, and and if that is the case the second is the case would that explain why a lot of people may not be as engaged in this three dimensional world and events that are going on in their present life that may not be so positive but whereas if they felt that they were descending into a spiritual uh, into a spirit into the spirit creating heaven on earth they'd be more likely to show up and try to make change for change for a, uh, a or higher frequency uh, world down here. I mean, what's your thoughts on that topic? Yeah, well, neither of those are exactly right, uh, but both have elements in them that are, that are, uh, you know, sort of right, but neither one are really right. What it is is that we are individuated units of consciousness. We're peace. We're a piece of this larger consciousness system. We're just a part of it. Okay. Uh, chip off the old block if you like. And, we have a, a mission here, and that mission is to evolve the quality of our consciousness. Now, in the science terms, uh, we look at a, a consciousness system is an information system, and information uh, means ordered bits, and no information means random bits. So the, the information system needs to lower its entropy, which means more order, you know, more information, less randomness. So we can look at it from the scientific viewpoint, but what that translates to is that what we're here to do is to grow up, to evolve in a positive way. Because consciousness has all these individuated units of consciousness, it's a social system. The way a social system evolves positively, the way it, um, uh, let's say, lowers its entropy to the greatest extent, is by being cooperative, interactive, helpful, it's about other, not about self. The way it increases its entropy, that means kind of dissolves, goes away, uh, you know, dies, is by being self-focused, self-centered. It's all about me. You know, it's, you know, I'm the center of my universe. It's all about me. So that then translates into what are we here for? We're here to care. We're here to become love. We're here to grow up spiritually and that's our purpose. And we are a piece of the system's strategy for doing that. This consciousness system needs to evolve. It's like, you know, it either evolves, which lowers its entropy, becomes, you know, the pieces all become more love-like, or it de-evolves, which means, you know, more randomness, uh, you know, no trust, uh, the self-centeredness, then it de-evolves, and that's toward fear. So fear and love are the opposites of each other. We're here because as we evolve in this virtual reality entropy reduction trainer that we're in, that we call our physical reality, as we evolve making our choices more toward helping, cooperation, you know, caring, these kinds of things, then we are lowering the entropy of the whole system. So we're okay. part of the system's way of evolving. So that's our purpose here. So you can can you evolve without action? Can you evolve with say you see something, uh, you know, a lady being mugged on the street or something neg a negative reality that a lot of people don't want to look at, whatever may be current in the three dimensional world? Can you evolve without 
uh, taking action in when these these situations happening, whether it's that or it's uh, you know uh, taking down the pharma, taking down from, yeah big farm or whatever. Can you can you evolve without action, or is that one of the reasons why we're in this three dimensional world is to take inspired action? Well, no, we are here to interact because here we have more obvious choices with feedback. You see, when we're just all individuated units of consciousness interacting, that's like we're all in a great big chat game. You know, we can we can pass information back and forth, but there's really no traction in that as far as you're, you're growing. You don't have any feedback. You're sending out messages, you get messages, but, you know, it's there's very little that you can make of that as far as growing up, as far as lowering uh, the entropy of your consciousness. So that's why this virtual reality was created, so that consciousness could play these avatars, these bodies of ours, because here you have a very tight rule set, and you have experiences, and you have feedback from those experiences. So yes, when you see that lady being mugged, you not only you know, can evolve by doing something, you have to do something. You see, you can't just say, oh, well, lady getting mugged, not me. You know, I'll just walk on the other side of the street, and that mugger will stay busy with that lady, then it's not going to, you know, I'll get by. That's not the way it works. Now, you don't have to be stupid about things. You're not going to, you know, jump off a cliff because you're fearless. That's not being fearless. That's being stupid. So, you know, there's... So you, do you, yes, do you see, you're in you see a reality to have it. Okay. You're here to, have cho- to make choices. And sometimes those choices, well, most of the time, those choices have a moral edge to them. And that moral edge is that if it helps you evolve toward love, then that's good. That's, that's a moral choice. If it helps you de-evolve, if it's a high entropy choice, then that's an immoral choice. That's how you tell good from bad. Moral from immoral is the, the effect that it has on your evolution as consciousness. So, yes, we're here to experience. We're here to interact. We're here to learn. This is a... This is an entropy reduction trainer for individuated units of consciousness. So that's, that's why we're here. And surely we do have to make those choices that fall on the side of, of love. If we make them otherwise, then we are de-evolving. Right. No, that's interesting because I see a lot of folks who are – there's a lot of negative realities potentially going on, although I believe there's a lot more positive realities going on. But a lot of things I see people choosing to – have this kind of denial-based, uh, denial-based positive thinking where I don't want to focus on anything negative, which I understand because I don't want to attract that frequency. But when you're, there's something negative going on, like the lady being mugged, you know, you could just say, well, I'm not going to attract that. I'm just going to walk away from it. But you already attracted it already, didn't you, <laughs> some, on some level. So if, if that na- negative reality or that shadow work is there for you to look at, isn't it best to, uh, to look at it, take action with it rather than ignore it? Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's a pretty dramatic one. Seeing somebody getting mugged, you know, that's a, yeah. that's a very dramatic action. But we have thousands of little choices during the day, and we have to take responsibility for every one of those choices. And typically, we don't take responsibility. We, you know, point our finger at somebody else and blame them. So, you know, you'd say, uh, well, you know, Susie makes me really angry. She said this and this, and that makes me angry. Well, you have to realize that. Nobody can make you angry. You have to choose to be angry. And if you choose to be angry, that's a, poor, that's a poor choice. That's a choice toward fear, not a choice toward love. So we make lots of choices all the time. And uh, 
the one with the lady being mugged is just such an obvious, uh, you know, choice that of course you're going to help, but you can to help that situation. But there's millions of other little choices that you have day by day that uh, offer that same, that same choice. Are you going to move toward fear or moving toward love? You make choices out of fear. They're poor choices. You make poor choices out of caring, respect, uh, um, you know, that's out of love, then those are good choices. And it doesn't matter so much what happens as it does what you do with what happens. So it's not so much, well, if I go over there and help, maybe I'll get hurt too. That's not the point. The point is right. that you have to do the, the right thing. Yeah. And to each each person, I guess, is the right thing and wrong thing is their own equivalent morality. But there, you know, I'm, we, could, we had more time. We have a couple minutes left, but if we had more time, I'd want to like get into some universal laws and principles. But uh, um, before before we uh, we head out, I do want to ask you a couple of other personal questions. Tom, what do you do for fun? Like, what's fun for Tom Campbell in uh, any given day? What brings you joy in your life? Everything brings me joy in my life. Uh, my <laughs> life is just one ending, unending string of, of fun, and uh, I'm going to have a lot of fun out here in uh, in LA in a couple of weeks. And that's uh, you know what I do that really is the most fun for me is talking to people and helping them see a bigger picture that can help them have more fun and have more joy in their life. So connecting with people, being of value, uh, you know, being useful generally uh, is what's fun. For me. Well, you you sure brought value and making it fun for us today. And I'll tell you, that is, uh, if you, and if you want to have fun with Tom Campbell, you can always go out to LA to MB or go to mbtla.com, mbtla.com, and start having some fun because you know what? That is why we're here to have fun and to explore and to learn, right? And to experience and to interact That's and to love, right? Comes down to it, doesn't it? And you know, if you're not having fun, you know you're not doing it right. If your life is not just uh, just joyful and, uh, and just having a, a lot of fun and a lot of satisfaction, then you're not doing it right. And it's not that other people aren't doing it right. That's not the point. It's that you're not doing it right. Sure. Well, well, Tom, I had about you know 30,000 more questions for you. Will you come back in the future sometime? Well, sure, sure. This is, you know, when you, when you write a book called The Theory of Everything, it's really hard to cover that in an hour. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's a good point. The theory of everything, theory of everything done in one hour. Tom Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you're yeah. you're fantastic, and uh, and I really appreciate everything you're doing. I know the world appreciates what you're doing because it's so needed now more than ever before. You know, I call it a crisis of perception out there. What's going on? And if you could just shift your perception as you teach people how to do, everything changes, and that's how we change the world. Don't you agree? I agree completely. All right, Tom. Listen, thank you so much. I want you to have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Okay. Well, thank you, Tim. Thank you, Sandra. Thank, thank you, Tom. All right, guys. You're welcome. Well, thank you. And we have uh, we have some great stuff coming up. I didn't, can't, can't even tell you what's coming up this week. I don't have time to say, but you know, <laughs> we have the, we have the Vax team coming in. We got Phil Watts calling in from Australia tomorrow, getting some heavy, deep consciousness and belief and he's more of a kind of activist action guy but um it's just gonna be fascinating stuff and then a friday course season coming back about self-help all right everybody have a great day and we'll see you guys tomorrow busy week take care you have been listening to the good intention show on the ui radio network 
The Good Intentions Show is sponsored by the United Intentions Foundation at unitedintentions.org. Look for us on Blog Talk, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, and many more. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram under United Intentions and on Twitter at Higher Intention. Be sure to log on to unitedintentions.org, a virtual community where you learn to create, track, and manifest your passions, one intention at a time. Have a wonderful day, and until next time, live life with intent. The United Intentions Foundation and its associates take no responsibility for the opinions and statements made by the talk show hosts or their guests. Or their guests. The views and opinions expressed by Angel Heart Radio hosts, guests, co-hosts and associates should not be construed as advice from Angel Heart Radio.